This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. Heard every Saturday morning at 9 on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. Heard every Saturday morning at 9 on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. Indoors or out, fall, winter, spring, and summer, whenever you garden, wherever you garden, this is the show that covers it all. The AM740 Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. And yours truly, Franklin Proctor, and the, the <laughs> sous chef. Thank you. Yeah. Juno something. Juno. Juno something. <laughs> Bye, Marilyn. Getting a big kiss through the glass there Bye, from Marilyn. Um, I had to put the heater on the car this morning. It really? was so darn cold. Yeah, I was freezing. I just put on long underwear. Oh, <laughs> I see. Gee, I wish I'd been there to see that. <laughs> no, no, you probably. <laughs> Little trap door and everything in the back. <laughs> None of your business. I see. Okay. Yes, but you're absolutely correct. I have socks and shoes on today for the first time in what I think is months. Yeah. It oh. is that chilly. Well, I didn't bring a jacket. I didn't, you know, uh, from St. Catherine's. Well, it's uh, not going to be that cold. Oh, 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 yeah. Yeah, yeah, it's down yeah, vest. It's chilly, man. Day. Yeah, yeah. So if you're going out to the CNE today or whatever, make sure you take along a jacket. I mean, yeah, you darn right. I think it's the it's windy, it's gusty. Mm-hmm. There's yep. quite a strong little west breeze going on. Not there. Earl, not thank no, God we don't have Earl we're hanging far around. From but there, but uh, but still that west. Actually, and I guess that's actually been a good thing. That west breeze is pushing Earl yeah, off. Yeah, yeah, it's it's nice uh, and fresh. Coast. You're right. Yeah, You're it right. is. It's so clear. Let's look on the bright side. That's a good day for okay. to be in the garden. Well, there. Oh, I knew you'd get around to the garden at some point. Well, oh, this <laughs> is the garden show. Yes, that's right. <laughs> okay, phone numbers for the garden show for Charlie Dobbin four one six. Three six zero zero seven forty for those folks uh, listening in from Toronto, anywhere else in the province. Toll free one eight six six seven forty four seven forty, and mantra is call early, call often, one question per call. Speaking Beautifully of, thank done. You. Speaking of other places in the province, you have a rather neat little email there, Well, don't I you? do. It, well, it connects uh, to something that's fairly new. AM740 is now broadcast on Rogers Cable. So anywhere in Ontario, if you have Rogers Cable and you turn to station, I believe it's oh, not yet. Not, channel 949. Thank you, thank you. Channel 949, you will hear the radio. And yeah. if you do it right now, you'll hear us, which is very cute. I got an email from Susan Carter in Collingwood, and she said she just wants to take a minute to tell us that every Saturday she's had to sit in the kitchen where the radio is to listen to the program. Now she can make the beds and continue on with her day upstairs with the program coming from the television. And she doesn't miss anything that's going (laughs) on. She says, again, thanks for all your information and that she's been passing along some of the tips that we share on the show and that P.S. Her mulberry tree looks great, and the dormant spray will be my garden's best friend every spring. Well, there you go. Good to hear. Is that nice? Because dormant spray is a v- the most important spray of ever that you ever use in the spring or fall on dormant woody plants. Well, that's a nice little underlining of how important it is for folks to check that out. If you're on Rogers Cable, you have an apartment building that you know is making reception for AM740 uh, kind of sketchy. There's there's the fix. Or you right want to get out around the yeah. house and you don't have a radio in every <laughs> yeah, room, but you right. might have a TV in every yeah, room. Yeah, most people do. Yeah. There you go. 949 on nice. your television. 
Uh, okay, a couple of um, big shout out to Cindy Zach, oh, our yeah. friend in Buffalo. She sent a big ha- Happy Labor Day greetings. So Absolutely. greetings to Hiya, her, Cindy. as well as all our listeners. It is Labor Day coming up, and of course, long weekend. Lots of good weather for gardening. I will say it's going to be a little stormy today and tomorrow, but sun- Monday's going to be gorgeous. And uh, this is the time to start transplanting all of our plants, doing that lawn care, like Glenn told us last week when right. we were speaking yeah. to him from Scotts. You know, get the lawns rejuvenated. It's all happening. Bulbs, right? It's time to get the bulbs into the ground. All right? So lots to do. Uh, And if you are looking for uh, friends and mentors and social opportunities who are gardening folk, remember the Riverdale Hort Society. Big Potluck Supper coming up this Wednesday from 7 till 9 p.m. Everybody is welcome at the Frankland Community Center. Also on the 8th, the Burlington Horticultural Society has their general meeting and flower show. Uh, Again, everybody's welcome. It's happening at the Senior Center, which is 2285 New Street at Drury Lane. Uh, Now, September the 11th, that's next Saturday, uh, between 2 and 4.30 p.m. at the Knox United Christian Education Center, which is on Midland Avenue, Mm -hmm. number 2575 Midland Avenue. The Agent Court Garden Club's annual flower and vegetable show is going to be held. So that's very fun. That's that's competitive, right? These are people that, you know, they're cutthroat. They're, they're, <laughs> they're cutthroat. I'm telling you, they're pick, <laughs> picking the best of everything. They're polishing. They're, they get their little paintbrushes out and they clean and fluff. Like, you know, you know oh, dog shows, how yeah. people do all that fluffing of the animals. Fluffing, well, no. Have you ever seen the Royal Winter Fair, what they do to the cows and pigs? Well, you should see what people do to plants when they get into plant, plant shows. Same thing. So it's very fun. And I say it's cutthroat. These people will do anything for a red ribbon. So go and see some of those exciting displays of flowers, plants, vegetables. Uh, also, some great floral designers. Why are you laughing? <laughs> you kill me, Charlie. Just <laughs> it's true. <laughs> cutthroat. Oh my! You don't think right. this is serious stuff? Oh I mean, well, I can I can tell. Yeah, okay. I'm not getting near those folks. No, man. no. Well, you want to give them lots of room when they got their paintbrushes out. I'll tell you. So the Asian Court Garden Club is free admission, and there is a tea room. So that's next Saturday. Mark that on your calendars between two and four thirty in the afternoon. And then one more thing next Saturday between ten and four. This is perfect. Uh-huh. Catch the garden show from nine to ten. Yes. Then right away at ten o'clock, be poised and ready to go out with on the. Lake Simcoe South Master Gardeners Tour. Just poised right there at the doorstep, huh? That's yeah, right. Okay. Ready to run. <laughs> yeah. Uh, or you can always listen to us in the car on your way to the first location that's part of the tour. I believe it's there's 10 gardens on the tour. Very, some of them are very special, very beautiful. And it's a mere $10 per person to see all these private gardens, which is super exciting. For more information on that, email LSS, which stands yes. for Lake Simcoe South. Mm-hmm. And then, so LSS Master Gardeners at gmail.com. And you mentioned planting bulbs. I've been waiting for this big story to break to you, but I, I've been doing an experiment at home. Mm-hmm. Uh, two months ago, I planted three 60 watt bulbs, and I, 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 it's just up now. It's a trilight, 50, 100, 150. It worked. It was just terrific. I was waiting for that. <laughs> it had to be that. So, yeah. was that was that hurtful for you to get down and plant all it, those bulbs? Oh, my, my, my. Yes. But you've been taking your Sierra cell? Well, now, there, that's why I'm, I'm not a pain in the 
Mm, Whatever, yeah. That's right. Not at all. Because you've been taking your natural mineral complex, Cerasil, clinically proven to reduce any aches and pains, any inflammation, uh, arthritis, chronic joint pain of any kind, even injuries. Uh, so for more information on Cerasil, which, like I say, lots of good information, Frank being, you know, I'm the, the pain of the yes. The wacko here, right yeah. here is a good example of somebody who takes it and you know has a good experience with it. Uh, more information: one eight seven seven joint fourteen. Through rainy days and long droughts, infestations, and early frost, she's the one constant in your garden. You're listening to the AM740 Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. And I'm Frank Proctor, along for the ride. And lots of fun to be had. 416-360-0740. That's the phone number in Toronto. Anywhere else in the province, one 740 It is toll-free. Let's get right to the phones here. Pat from Coburg's been waiting on the line. Bless your heart. Good morning, Pat. Good morning. morning. I uh, just have a quick question about pruning flowering shrubs, Mm -hmm. especially a wigelia, a mock orange, and some Rose of Sharon. Good question. Now, the the wigelia and the mock orange I planted last fall, so they've been in the ground a year, Mm -hmm. but I haven't done anything to them. I've just been letting them get established. Good idea. So they're looking kind of leggy and scraggly, maybe. Okay, so very good question. And there's a very simple answer. The time to prune your flowering shrubs is right after they flower. Okay. So that means that you are not allowed to just prune one day a year because all the shrubs you mentioned flower at different times. The mock orange, we would expect it to bloom in June. The wajila more in July. And, of course, the rose of Sharon more like August, September. So when the flowers are finished is when we do our pruning. At that time, you prune for a couple reasons. Any any, um, branches that are intersecting and, and rubbing against each other, causing damage, you pick, you know, do the cleaning up, remove one so that there's not that damage occurring. Branches that are growing to the inside, causing a lot of, of you know, sort of mess and, and uh, can sort of, what's the word I'm looking for there? Too much um, activity in the center of the shrub slows down the ability for air and, mo- and sunlight to get in there. So you need to open up the center of the shrub so that will kind of uh, stems and branches get pruned out. And then, like you say, for shape, if they're leggy and floppy and not looking good, we do a bunch of sort of shaping at that time as well. Okay. All right. So, so and the one, the one that you did mention, the Wajila, Similar to spirea, both of them, if you get to them right after they're finished blooming or blooming that first time around and just give them a light shearing, they'll often bloom again. Oh, that's good. And so you'll get a secondary flush of not as many flowers, but some color from them later in the summer. And then you can, at that point, after that second flush, do your more more sort of deep pruning as necessary. Okay. That sounds right. good. Good stuff. Thanks for that. Thank you so much. Have a great day in po- uh, Coburg, Pat. Poburg, <laughs> what? <laughs> I know. We're both, I can see, there's yes. the brain and the mouth aren't really connected no, no. today, are they? <laughs> I'm slightly dysfunctional today, that's for sure. Hello to Sandra in Etobicoke. Good morning, Sandra. Good morning, Charlie. How are you? I'm great. How are you? I'm fine, thank you. My question is, I have um, perennial sweet peas and zinnias, and I'm just wondering how to harvest the seeds. Perennial How to keep sweet. them. Well, um, traditionally, all whenever we do any harvesting of seeds, then you, you, it's a ripening question. They need to be mature seeds. Uh, once they're mature, you mentioned zinnias and perennial sweet peas, right? 
Right. So and you... the sweet pea pods at the moment have dried out. They're quite brown, and I can see the seeds inside. They're black. Yeah, perfect. So you'll cut those off or, or break them off. Um, just have a you know a, a jar or something to sort of something to hold them in to right. get them in the house. The zinnias, as the flowers have been ripening, the seeds will ripen as well. And they're starting to do that now. Right. So you'll once what the zinnias are they all colored zinnias or are they? Yes. Okay, so you'll know that the petals on zinnias, the, f- the color fades out, the petals turn brown. So they become almost a, brown, a bronzy-looking flower, and yet they're still standing up. They're looking quite pretty. Right. The seeds, of course, at that point are ripening in, inside the flower. So you'll collect all these, these ripe flower heads or, or ripe pods, take them into the house. Now, you're going to want to clean, get the seeds out of the pods or out of the, the flower heads. The main thing with seeds is you want to keep them dry. You want to keep them dark. Uh, and a jar, usually an opaque jar, like a brown or dark, you know, colored glass jar. Okay. Or I'll often use just an envelope, paper envelopes. Mm-hmm. And I'll write on the envelope what the seeds are, you know, when I collected them. So n- no kind of licking of the envelope, just folding it all up and then sticking that into a jar and leaving it all until I'm ready to, s- to plant those seeds again. And what sort of temperature would you keep it at? Just re- cool. I mean, regular room temperature is what you need for those. Regular room temperature. Yeah, okay. we get into really cool, seriously cold temperatures with some of our woody plant seeds. You know, our particularly our evergreens. But mm-hmm. when it comes to the annuals, regular room temperature, even the, the perennial sweet pea, just you know, seventy degrees is fine. The main okay. thing is dry and dark. Perfect. Thank you so much. You're very welcome. Thank Bye-bye. you very much, Sandra. And uh, you're listening to The Garden Show here at AM740 with Charlie Dobbin and yours truly, Frank Proctor. will be back in just a moment to say hi to Francesca in Toronto after these words. Transplanting good ideas from one gardener to another. This is the AM740 Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. It's 9.22 on a, a, a rather brisk but pretty day. It's uh, feeling a bit Saturday, like Saturday, the 4th. We're into the long holiday weekend, and we're on our way to Toronto to uh, say hi to Francesca. Good morning. Good morning. Morning. Um, planted two butternut squash mm-hmm. plants, uh, and the things are going crazy. <laughs> um, I have 10 of them. Mm-hmm. Do you have to wait till they go beige? Some are beige and some are white with green but they're a fair size they're they're pretty big no you don't have to wait until they're fully uh colored as you see them in the grocery store if that's what you're wondering particularly because they're sitting probably sitting right in contact with the soil right now on the ground right and they're covered by leaves so i thought if i expose them to the sun they might go beige that's right. They will color up more quickly. Um, they can sometimes get a little uh, speckled with sunburn if they haven't been exposed to sun. Frank's oh, eyebrows really? just yeah. popped up. Yeah. No, yeah, because the, the little skin has been protected by leaves, and all of a sudden you totally expose. So you can you get ex- you, spotting. You just, it, just leave them the way they are? Well, no, I'd be inclined to do some, some exposing in terms of leaf removal, but I'd also, because it's been, you know, it's moist earth, it's going to rain again this, tonight, and they're talking of some more percentage of rain tomorrow, you could end up with some um, mildew and, and rot setting in. Cool temperatures, moist earth. Uh, so you're, there's a fine line now of when to, to actually do your harvest. So oh. it might be a good idea to yeah, take some leaves off today and be prepared to start doing some picking, you know, in the Can next put, put the day or two. on the bottom of the squash? 
If you can, you could, but they're still going to be moist, right? You're right. It won't be earth that the squash are sitting on, but even the leaves hold a fair amount of moisture. So the idea is just to try and um, allow them to get as ripe as possible without losing them to uh, some of the critters that start coming no, they're out. they're pretty good. They're, they're pretty good. They haven't been gnawed at or anything. That's they're, great. You know, sort of there. Well, you know, as soon as your the butternut squash came up on our computer screen, <laughs> Frank started to salivate. And he goes, oh, butternut squash soup. <laughs> one, one is about eight inches high and, well, I don't know, maybe two or three pounds. Wow. wow. Whoa. Good um, soup making. Yeah. <laughs> You're an expert gardener. You are. No, yeah. I, I didn't even want the things. It decimated <laughs> the parsley. It just killed the parsley. Oh, yeah. Tough love. Huh? I've seen them take over the lawn. I they mean, they're do. big they, plants. They took over everything. The yeah. fence, the other fence. They're yeah. just climbing over everything. <laughs> They wanted the squashes escape to the uh, other side, the other guy's fence. And yeah, I yeah. rescued that one. Got it was flat, but it, it managed to get through the wood fl- uh, slats. Yeah, yeah, and cr- climb right through and so keep going. So I said, no, he's not getting it. It's um, like the great escape here. I'm telling you. <laughs> no, no, they they really go crazy. I, I'll never plant them again. Well, some you know what's the other thing is realize do you compost at your place? No. Okay, so I say that's the other thing where we get squash growing out of the composter. Right? Oh, <laughs> it's okay. like you know you, can, you just don't have the heart to to I kill them. But <laughs> well, sorry, excuse me, I do. You know, after I clean up the garden, yeah. which there isn't much left, I've I've rescued the basil and made pesto out of that. Mm-hmm. Um, I just dig a dig a big hole yeah. where all the tomato plants and everything, and just dump it bury all in. it. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. Good yeah. idea. Good idea. Like and of course, tomatoes come up from all the little seeds. If any, well, you know. yeah, but you know, then I go over them and whatever. That's right. Yeah, <laughs> it's, it's hilarious. And mangoes at my house, we eat a lot of mangoes, and of oh. course, the pits will in the composter. It's nice and warm, eh? Yeah. The pits will actually germinate. I'll get little mango trees growing in my composter. Mm. Good <laughs> heavens! Is, but you know, obviously, they're tropical plants. They're not going to survive. But it's still well, they're beautiful trees. People try like crazy to have this happen, and you guys well, just—it just happens. I thank you very much for this because I was unsure of of when to harvest them. I thought, mm, geez, I've never seen them green and white in the grocery store. No, I but thought it was a new variety of butternut squash. No, you're getting very close, though. So a little bit of sun, you're good to go. I thank you very much. Thanks for your, hey, for your call. Thanks, Francesca. Bye Interesting bye. phone call, huh? 926 here at AM 740. Charlie Dobbins Garden Show. And uh, let's uh, go off to East York now. Marjorie, I believe, is on the line. Hello. Good Hello. morning. Morning. Hi, good morning. Um, Charlie, some 30-odd years ago, my husband and I were in in Holland in the springtime, and we fell in love with the Fritillaria imperialis. Mm-hmm. Well, they mailed us, we ordered two bulbs, and they sent them in the fall at the appropriate time for planting. Mm-hmm. We put them in the front of the house, which faces south, mm-hmm. and for all these years, they've been absolutely gorgeous. They don't smell very nice, no. but <laughs> they are absolutely beautiful. This year, or over the years, I think they've been lifted three times and divided because they multiplied so much and they're such big bulbs that we were able to give a number of them away. Mm -hmm. This year, all I got was maybe the size of a dinner plate of green stuff. No stems, no flowers. And I don't know why. Mm. So just a low-growing rosette of leaves. Yes, that's all that came up. Now I'm wondering... Could it be the type of winter that we had last year? I think so. With the no snow? Mm-hmm. And you see, whatever snow we had, because the house faces south, it the melted. snow didn't last. And I don't think that that soil 
out there ever froze solid. Now, mm. would that have an effect on them? Well, particularly, you're calling from East York, so you're probably gardening in fairly sandy soil. Yes. And as you mentioned, southern facing. Uh, with that very mild winter, I mean, it was almost tropical in, right. in East York last winter. Yes. Every time the snow fell, it melted almost immediately in, right. in those open areas. And sandy soil, of course, doesn't hold a lot of moisture. So I think your your suggestion there is it would be my best guess as well, which is that that mild winter was insufficient cooling period yes. for the bulbs to truly set their flower buds and be ready to go because that's why we plant the bulbs in the fall is that's so they right. will be subjected to the cold temperatures for an appropriate number now, of weeks. There's one other thing that happened two years ago. My husband died years ago and I'm disabled now and can't do the gardening myself. And a neighbor, I guess she thought she was doing me a favor, but when the flowers died, she cut them back. Well, you don't do that with bulbs. And well, I'm wondering if there's no goodness gone back into the bulbs, you know? Did she cut just the flowers or she cut the stems right to the she ground? She cut the stems right back. Okay, so you're right. That has an impact on the bulb's ability to fatten up for yes. the following year. So it so but but the good news is, is that the bulbs are still alive because yes. you you know that by the leaves. Yes. And what those leaves did, of course, even though they weren't exactly what you were expecting, they still grew they still absorbed a bunch of sunshine and mm-hmm. you know photosynthesized all that sunshine that energy into carbohydrate and fatten the bulbs up right. so you know spring 2010 might not have been a, a pretty year but at least it was an opportunity to yes. get organized for spring 2011 now do you think i should just wait and see what yeah. happens this winter absolutely i'd leave them alone uh you know where they are mm-hmm. um let's you know cross every finger and expect and hope that they will come back and do exactly what they did in 2009 well, last, last, when my husband was alive he used to keep a bag of peat moss mm-hmm. in the garage where he could get at it easily mm-hmm. and if they started to come up too soon and we did have a snowstorm he used to go out and gently cover them with a the peat moss Aww. and then later He'd take the peat moss off and dig it into the soil. Because in that sandy soil, you have to do everything in your power to help with moisture retention. Yes. And he was doing the peat moss just to try and do a little bit of protecting uh, right. if we had a late spring frost. Yes. Keep in mind, though, any bulbs that come up, typically if they're coming up too early and we get a real hard frost, you'll lose a few leaves, but you won't lose the plant. Yes. And most of the, like the daffodils and all those, they're, they're just fine. You know, I've seen daffodils get a foot of snow on them at my house and just yes, right. not even act like it's anything. They just keep on. As soon as the snow melts, they're back in business. But so would the fertile area be a little different no, than that? No, the fertile area would be exactly just like the daff. So so don't worry, but but the point of doing anything in your power to help with moisture retention in your mm-hmm. very sandy soil is a good one. So if you've got any neighbors helping, you know, yes. kids, anybody like that, get them on uh, enveloping, you know, uh, amending the soil with, with leaves, uh, with any kind of material that will help, whether it's peat moss or compost, anything in and your I, soil. I leave them alone for a while. Yeah. Leave those fertile area alone and, like I say, cross every finger, but expect them to come up and do, you know, be just as beautiful as ever next spring. Yes, thank you very much. Thank you. Okay, have a great day, Marjorie, and thank you for calling Charlie Dobbins Garden Show here at AM740 Zoomer Radio. Zooming off to another location in Toronto, Sharon on the line. Good morning, Sharon. Morning. Morning. I have a bamboo plant and it's growing like a weed and I just don't know if I can cut it back and replant. 
Is that one of the, the uh, lucky bamboos that would yes. grow inside the house? Yes. Uh, so it's got a shoot that's shooting up way too far, like it's all unbalanced now? It's just growing as high as can be before it reaches the ceiling. I want to cut it down. Are there other shoots on the on the uh, stems? Yes, there are. Yeah. There are several. Okay, so yes, you can't just, the shoot that's shooting up like that, you can't sort of just cut it in half. It won't work. You'll have Which to remove the do? entire shoot right from where it's emerged from the, the stem. It's actually a Dracaena stem. That's what you've got down, you know, at ground table level. Okay, that, so that, I can just cut it back down yeah, there. Yeah, just with a sharp knife. Just go in there with a little paring knife and just slice that, that entire shoot off. So if it's, you know, a four-foot-tall green thing shooting off the side there, you're just going to have to slice that entire thing off. Okay. Okay. That's great. Thank you. You're very welcome. And that won't that won't hurt the rest of the planting. Uh, no, 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 it won't. Yeah, look at you. <laughs> well, Frank, I know the things I, you hear, <laughs> and then it's like what? It's like cutting somebody's <laughs> arm off or something. You know what? It, it will grow more shoots along that stem, like those Dracaena mm-hmm. stems. It's like a, a cane. There's uh, all kinds of little buds that are dormant. And they get a couple of them to grow, and you get the little green fronds at the top, and they put them together in beautiful little vases with pebbles, and it's a pretty uh, gift. Yeah. That and to then give you get people. that wild guy that's going up the four that's feet. That's right. Yeah, you, yeah. or perhaps you know our callers had that mm-hmm. in their house for you know two years, and one is just completely out of control. So if you, it doesn't work to cut it in half, it just the whole thing gets completely wacko shape wise. Okay. Are well, you okay you with that? I'm okay you with sure? that. <laughs> I I could do surgery today. I really booked the room. <laughs> that's All right. right. I got the sharp parent. <laughs> for Toronto area listeners and anywhere else in the province toll free call Charlie Dobbins Garden Show here at AM 740 1-866-740-4740 and uh, George uh, may be called in on that line from Coburg hi George hi morning morning Uh, I have a lilac tree that's uh, it's growing beside the house and it's about 12 feet high, and I'm wondering if the roots will interfere with my wall, cement wall, and I want to know if I, I should cut it down or dig it out and move it somewhere else. So how close to the house is it? About five it's feet? It's close. It's touching my roof right now. Is, yeah, so it's about 12, and it's a big shrub, I guess. Yeah. Or it's a tree. Well, it's pretty high, and I, and I don't want to ruin my shingles. No. I'm just swiping my shingles right now. <clears throat> well, yes, exactly. I mean, it's going to rub up against the house, yeah. so it's going to either damage itself or the house. Yeah. You know, if it's siding, siding it will definitely get a little bit, you know, scratched. Plus, it'll it'll affect the stems. Now, do you have any idea what kind of lilac it is? Is it just like a common lilac, or is it a special one that you purchased? No, I, I, it was there when I bought the house, so I don't know. And is when it blooms, it's a traditional lilac color. Oh yeah, it's a nice, nice. Nice purple color. Yeah. Um, when you look at the plant at down at the ground level, obviously you can see that the main stem where the, the crown is, and, and I imagine many stems are coming from that sort of central location, but do you see other stems emerging from the ground that might be, you know, six inches, ten inches away uh, from the main? Like suckers, you yeah. mean? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah, there's lots of them. Okay. So that's, that's your, your ones to work with. With a sharp shovel... Of course, my my the doctor's in here, and uh, Frank will be down to help you with this if you <laughs> need any Proctor, help. Dr. Proctor, at your service, <laughs> Dr. yes. Dr. Proctor's booked the operating room. So if you need some help, with a sharp shovel, sever one of those suckers, or two or three, and then replant away from the house, yeah. somewhere where there's going to be good sunshine, like, you know, minimum six hours of sunlight daily, right. good air circulation, and an opportunity to grow. Because yeah. as you recognize, these plants, 12, 15, 20 feet tall in right. time, and at the same time, six, eight feet wide. 
Um, so, so if you replant a couple of those suckers or even one of those suckers, a uh, little bit of bone meal in the planting hole, some water. Now is the time to do it, no question. Those right. will take off. And right. then, yes, lilacs do have quite an extensive root system. And if you're worried about the foundation and also worried about the house getting scratched up and the shingles getting affected, yes, I would remove, if you can, the entire lilac that is that I, close. Could, could I remove the whole unit and put it one some other place? Not easily. Do you have a backhoe? Um, I'd probably have to have somebody come <laughs> in and do it. Yeah. Yeah, you probably would. They, if it's 12 feet tall, it's been there. How long have you been in the house? I've been there six years now. And it, and it was there for a number of years before yeah. you got there. So let's assume it's at least 12, 15 years in that location. Right. It's going to have a pretty extensive root ball. Yeah. It would not be something I'd ever recommend to do by hand. But yes, um, large plants can be moved with machinery, you know, yeah. with careful so if excavation. I, if I cut that down mm-hmm. uh, to the root, mm-hmm. would I pour something on the root so it wouldn't grow again? Keeping in mind that if you pour something on the root that makes it toxic for the plant to not grow, it also makes the soil toxic, so other things won't grow. Yeah. So if you cut it down and you want it to not grow, um, my best suggestion is that you, number one, you stay on top of that. You have to keep cutting it down. Oh, yeah. Or the other thing is as it starts to send little, because you'll cut down the, and the root will stay alive, little green shoots will start to emerge in the spring. More shoots will emerge as the summer goes on. Just have some Roundup handy and spray with Roundup oh, or yeah. with um, Scott's EcoSense. Um, they call it, um, I think it's sort of called driveway weed killer. It's a vinegar-based solution. Sprayed onto the green leaves of a plant, it will kill the green leaves, just like Roundup does. So eventually you will kill the root by killing the green leaves off. I think somebody somebody told me to put rock salt on it. Yes, rock salt will kill the plant, but like I said, it will also leave behind toxicity in the soil. What I got there, I don't really worry about those orange-yellow things, you know. Okay. Come up and... uh, yeah, I could probably save some of them. There's yeah. thousands of them for now. That's right. Okay, well, do save save what you can in the way of suckers and and uh, eliminate the plants that are so close to the house. Yeah. Thanks, okay. George. Th- thank you, George. Let George do it. Good yes. thing for Labor Day. Exactly. He's got his weekend cut out for him. <laughs> Literally. <laughs> well, let's see what we can do with uh, Wanda's question here. Uh, calling in from Toronto. Lawn treated for grubs, I see. Hmm. Uh, yes. Um, uh, thank you for taking my call. Mm-hmm. Um, I need to have my lawn treated for grubs and as well as have it aerated. Mm-hmm. And I'm wondering which order I have to do it in. Well, okay. What I would probably do is I would aerate first. Aerate first. And actually right now is a perfect time because the soil is moist. Yeah. I'll be over with my golf shoes immediately. <laughs> I was going to say, <laughs> Dr. Proctor, he's looking after everybody today, so I could probably send Frank <laughs> over to do this after his show. He's, yes. you know, got time. Um, so aerating I would probably do as soon as possible uh-huh. just because the soil is nice and moist now. Right. The, the, um, the treatment for, ne- for grubs is nematodes. Right. So nematodes are eggs that are microscopic little eggs that are you buy in a dormant form uh-huh. in a refrigerator uh, in a good garden center. Uh-huh. Either you do it or you hire somebody to do this for you. Right. And what they're going to do is they're going to scatter in liquid these little eggs, which are going to hatch, and the little nematodes are going to eat the, actually, ni- quite nicely, they're going to, eat from the inside out those grubs. So uh, they're very, very good that way. The trick is, is that the 
the nematode eggs have to hatch and the right conditions for the eggs to hatch is nice and moist soil, obviously nice and open soil so the nematodes can get down to the grubs and also a a nice cloudy day. So any time next week is going to be perfect for both those things. You know, they can sort of happen on the same day, really. Like once it's aerated, Mm -hmm. you could do the grub control almost immediately? Absolutely. Oh, okay. Thank you so much. You're very welcome. Okay. There we go, Uh, Wanda getting her wish, and she was on the air here at AM 740 (laughs) with Charlie Dobbins Garden Show. And before we head off to Hamilton to say hi to Rose, about roses it seems, we'd get perfect. We'll be uh, back after these few words. Getting to the root of a growing dilemma. This is the AM 740 Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. And I'm Frank Proctor welcoming you, along with Grace, who, by the way, is the first voice you hear when you call into the Garden Show, uh, on this long holiday weekend. Hope you're having a wonderful time, uh, whatever the weather. going to be great on Monday, I understand. Yes. Might have a bit of iffy stuff uh, today I'm and tomorrow. Telling, but Monday's going to be a great day to be in the garden. Absolutely. Well, Rose in Hamilton, what's the problem there? Oh, hi, Charlie and Frank. Uh, I am moving soon, ah. and I want to take my roses with me. i got about seven rose bushes. Mm-hmm. Uh, how do I do this? How, how long have they been in the location they're in now? Oh, 40 years. Oh, my goodness. Oh, wow. Hmm. Hmm. Have you got a backhoe? That's what, <laughs> yeah. I, what I said, <laughs> George. Well, I, don't know. I just thought wanted to move a lilac. Take them out and just put them in pots. And uh, it's the it, the issue is is that in forty years there is an extensive well, not system. all of them, it, not all. Of okay, them, but the but oldest anyway. ones. All right. Oh, bottom line, I mean, you would use the exact same technique with any of the roses. The ones that have been more recently planted are more likely to survive this process mm-hmm. because they, they will not have as extensive of a root system. Keeping in mind that when we move anything, we always leave some roots behind. Mm-hmm. Also keeping in mind that the roots that are right, <clears throat> excuse me, beneath a plant, <clears throat> excuse me, the roots that are right beneath a plant are um, the ones that are kind of the structural roots. They hold, whether it be a tree or a rose, they hold it up. Uh-huh. Out on the extremes, the tips of all the roots, are the very, very fine, fine hair-like feeder roots. Yeah. And the reality is that when we move something, it's those fine hair-like roots that get left behind because they're the ones that are f- the furthest away from the plant. They're the hardest to pick up and go with us. And they're the ones that the plant most relies on for being able to get moisture and stay alive, which is why the older the plant is, the harder it is to transplant. So that's just a, a sort of a preamble to what I'm going to suggest. But you're absolutely right. Six good-sized pots, uh-huh. uh, some soil in the pots, okay. um, a shovel, uh, a trench, you dig a trench, literally, or a moat around each of these roses, mm-hmm. trying to recognize that you want to lift as big of a root ball as you possibly can. Oh, it sounds like a major job. Uh, it, it can be. It depends. Are you in a fairly clay-like soil, or is it a sandy no, soil? No, no, it's great soil. Is it? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean, if it's great soil, you, you'll find that... Really, when it comes to roses, the biggest root ball we ever lift is about... I mean, are these tea roses mostly, or what kind of roses are they? Yeah, so I mean, the biggest root ball we ever typically lift when it comes to roses is about maybe maybe 8 or 10 inches wide oh, by better. 8 or 10 inches deep. Okay. But the trick is that you want to try and keep the soil attached. 
because some of those fine feeder roots will be in that soil. So you want to keep the soil attached to the roots. So you want a real ball to come up. Can you slide like a plastic bag or something underneath that well, that's to keep it together? Exactly. Why you try and dig a bit of yeah. a moat so that you've got that trench or moat. Then you undercut under that ball. Yeah. Now it's not plastic that you would slide under. It's an old sheet or an old a piece of burlap or something. How about that, an old uh, towel? An old towel. Yeah. You slide that in under and you tie it up almost like a diaper, right? Up around to hold that okay. ball together together lift that whole ball pop that into one of your your pots Uh water keep everything in the shade until it's time to move do the move again new location hold all these plants in a shady location until you're ready to plant and then when you're ready to plant make sure you're using bone meal at least one to two handfuls of bone meal in each planting hole and put the plants in um, the roses back planting at the same level they were, no deeper, no higher, actually slightly higher, but no deeper. Uh Very sunny location, good quality soil, again, if necessary, amend, but bone meal in the planting hole, water thoroughly. Uh, Now, the other... I have one little nasty question here, though. What if it's um, when it gets cold, like it could be in the middle of November by the time this... Oh, that's okay. That's fine. What I was going to say, cold is fine because the plants will just be more dormant. Oh, uh, I see. So I can do it uh, as long as I can move the soil. That's I can right. Put them in. As long as the ground's not frozen, you can do this job. Now it's not oh, fun to be doing this in November quite often. But oh, I was going to say a t- couple things too. Is don't hesitate to cut down the stems. Yeah. Per- yeah. Frankly, I'd be cutting them down to about no tall, like eight, ten inches tall at the tallest. Yeah. When you're doing this whole transplanting thing. Yeah, that I will do. I just want to make yeah. sure that hopefully they would survive to where I'm going. I'm not sure exactly the day yet. No, but you know what? Your timing is good. You're almost better to do this transplanting in November than any other time of the year. Oh, great. So don't worry about that timing. Just get, like I say, get them into the ground where they're. hopefully you'll be have a chance at the new location to get them into a permanent location. Yeah, does that apply to most flowers as well? Because I've got a few more other yep. flowers. Yeah, water thoroughly, even though it's November and it might be raining or snowing that day, water anyway. Oh. And then in the case of your roses, remember to add some extra, a hill up around and over the crown of the plant. Yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah. and be ready to watch for new growth in the spring. Take away the hill. You're going to have some dead wood in the spring. Trim that all away and do some feeding in the spring. They should be fine, though. Great. Thanks, Charlie. I got through the first time I tried. I listened to you all the time. So. Excellent. Well, I may super. call you again. Excellent. Okay. Well, let us know how that turns out for sure. I sure will. All spring. right. Good luck with that, Rose. Thank, Thank you. Thank you very much. Now, uh, one of my favorite uh, places in this province is Kitchener-Waterloo area. Mm-hmm. Oktoberfest coming up pretty soon. <laughs> and I'll bet is you it Bob, the beer or hmm? the sausages? Well, now, like? a bit of both, actually. <laughs> <laughs> Bob, uh, calling in from Kitchener, would know a little bit about that, I would suppose. But uh, what have you got on your mind this morning, uh, uh, Bob? Is it Rose of Sharon? Actually, it is a Rose of Sharon. I've got a, uh, a piece of neglected property close by, mm-hmm. and it, there are a couple of rows of Sharon on them, and they, they're probably 15, 20 years old. And the property has really, really been neglected. Mm-hmm. And lo and behold, the rows of Sharon seem to be popping up all over the place. Mm-hmm. So I've been digging up these rows of Sharon, putting them in pots, and giving them away to friends and neighbors, and everybody's very pleased about that. Mm-hmm. But uh, I got an idea the other day, and I wondered if this is going to work. Mm-hmm. I'd like to take two or three of these pots, get them to overwinter in the garage, mm-hmm. haul them out in the spring, and put them around my pool. Mm-hmm. 
Oh, uh, and use them in pots as a ornamental feature, like we yeah. would with a hibiscus mm-hmm. or an oleander or something like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, great idea. I wouldn't, if, okay, overwintering in the garage is your trickiest part of all this. Is there any possibility that you could pot them up in the fall and take them back to the, to, well, or even just leave them in the, the neglected property, but um, sink the pots under the ground? Um, I might be able to do that. Yeah, I've got them all in pots now, so I could probably put them back in the ground. Yeah, so whether it's at your property or the neglected property, bottom line is by leaving the Rose of Sharon outside, but they're in the pots, outside and and bury the pots, Mm -hmm. then they, number one, are more likely to survive the winter without fooling around in the garage with light levels and moisture levels and temperature levels. They'll be fine. Uh. They'll just be dormant. They'll be outside. They'll be happy. As soon as the ground thaws enough, uh, you just, with a shovel, whatever, lever those pots up out of the ground, scrub the the mud off which is going to be attached to the pots and mm. put them on display around the pool okay that it's sounds like a great idea yeah. good for you mom yeah yeah okay that's very that's that's good that's i think you, i can do that yeah. thank you very much charlie you're very welcome Hi, that okay. is your easiest overwintering situation if you know if you've got a spot to bury the pots that's by far the easiest Good. Thanks a lot. Oh, you're very welcome. Excellent. 9.50 on the Charlie Dobbin Garden Show as uh, we look at just the next 10 minutes to deal with a number of phone calls, and we'll get to those momentarily. Things are happening in the garden world. This is nonstop. Uh, Now, speaking of gardening and and health and and staying active, uh, something to watch for. Do you read the National Post? Yes. Do you? Yeah. Mm-hmm. The National Post, September the 9th, so whatever day that is, I guess this Thursday, September the 9th, the National Post is going to have a special supplement on bone and joint health. And Sierra Sill is uh, um, part of this special feature and is going to have a bunch of information in the supplement about the product. You've heard me mention Sierra Sill in the past. It's an all-natural mineral complex. It has been clinically proven to reduce inflammation. It helps... Um, alleviate joint pain, allows us to stay active, whether it's gardening or tennis or kickboxing or or just going to the X and uh, riding on the Ferris wheel. One way or the other, it, we all want to stay active to stay healthy, and Sierra Silk can really help with that. So for more information, see your National Post or give everybody a call. Give Sierra Silk a call in Vancouver. They're standing by at one eight seven seven joint 14 Through rainy days and long droughts, infestations and early frost, she's the one constant in your garden. You're listening to the AM740 Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. And she's sitting right next to me here in the studio. Grace on the line answering phones. And just a little while ago, about 10 minutes ago, spoke to Jean in Dundas, who's been waiting patiently ever since. Hello, Jean. Welcome to the show. I'm so glad to find you again, Charlie. Oh, (laughs) thank you. Um, I have a few um, perennials that I purchased in pots, mm-hmm. and I'm wondering when the best time to transplant them is, and can I put them all together to make a kind of a focal point? Mm-hmm. One is a Japanese cat mint, mm-hmm. the other is a Penstemon mm-hmm. digitalis, mm-hmm. the other is an Asian Asiatic lily. Asiatic, yep. I can hardly hear you. Asiatic. Oh, is that what is it's that called? Better? Okay. Yep, lily. Okay, so um, can you put them all together? Yes. Okay, so first question is when. Anytime. Anytime is good. Now is 
prime to plant those, uh, get those plants out of the pots and into the ground. The rule of thumb when we're transplanting or planting in the fall is try to do your planting or transplanting when there's still at least six Hold weeks. Hold on, I have to change the phone. Oh. I think I can hear you better now. All right. There we go. Okay, Good. is that better, Jean? Yes, thank okay. you. <clears throat> try and allow at least six weeks between planting or transplanting of anything in the garden until we have the first hard frost. Now, we never really know when that first hard frost is, but assume it's, you know, end of October in your neighborhood, uh, might even be November, but your tra- planting, transplanting should take place anytime now and over the next few weeks. Okay. Can these plants be planted together? The ones you mentioned, penstemon, lilies, um, you mentioned catmint, all of these plants prefer full day sun, which is six hours of sun minimum. They can go down to as little as four hours of direct sunlight every day. But bottom line is it's a fairly sunny location they need to go. So, yes, that that sun location requirement is the same for all of them. Would they look nice in a group? or <clears throat> They can. It would depend on... Um, always think, you know, do I have something that's going to have some color in the spring, some color in the summer, and some color, you know, early summer, late summer, and then think about fall. Okay. Uh, the three that we've mentioned there, catmint, penstemon, and lily, they're all kind of summer flowering plants. Oh, okay. So try and see if you can think about something that might give you a little more spring color. And then and maybe... I have, I have great big large potted mums also. Okay, perfect. That's great for your, for your fall, uh, your late summer color, early fall color. So just think if there's something that might brighten up, uh, whether it's colorful leaves or perhaps some bulbs you might want to incorporate as part of this, this garden. Uh, some, just get some, some earlier color in there, spring color. Okay. And you read the tags for the heights and the widths of the plants. There's a tendency when they're in pots to think they're not going to get much bigger than that, but of course they are. So okay. give them plenty of room so they can breathe and spread and grow and look good. They, they, they might look a little far apart to start with, but don't worry. Okay. Give them some space to, to grow into each other and, you know, fill out, and I think you'll be very pleased. Okay. And I want to tell you, the first time I'd asked you, I was given a little, about a foot high evergreen. Mm-hmm. You told me how to plant it, dig water, uh, dirt, water, dirt. That thing is eight, almost seven feet high now. Hey, oh my. there you That's go. That's been <clears throat> seven, eight years. My, good so I, I'm glad I found you again. Oh, I'm glad you found <laughs> us too. And so that was one of those little wedding favors or something, yeah. wasn't it? Yeah, yeah, those little tiny, Beautiful. tiny seedlings. Well, Thank good you that you've advice. got the property to be able to grow that. I do. Excellent. Well, good luck with the perennial garden. Yeah, thank you. Righto, Jean. Thank you very much for calling in to uh, say hi to Charlie this morning and get a little help. Yes. Uh, you know, and it's interesting. Jean said ha- seven years ago I gave her some advice. That's because I used to host a radio show in Hamilton. So I guess uh-huh. uh, Jean is, was one of the listeners of that show uh, years ago when I was a host there on a sat- every, every Saturday morning, similar to what we do here on AM 740. But clever us, we've got you. And we're not letting you go. You okay? Not, eh? Yeah. Mary in Uxbridge, do how are you doing? We have time. I, well, this we'll is a quick one. Push along here. Yes, right. I'm sorry. Yep. Morning, Hello. Mary. Hello. Good morning, Mary. Hi. Um, I uh, um, wanted to ask you about cutting back a wild rose bush. Like, um, it's a wild variety. I don't know what type. I've had it in the ground for probably 12 years or so, and it is about six feet high Mm -hmm. and bushed out. And I want to know, can I cut it back? Oh, absolutely, yes. And when's the best time? Well, the best time to do it is in the spring. 
because oh, okay. right now you should have the flowers are, are done, but you should have hips hanging on it, little fruits, little rose yeah, fruits. Actually, it's still flowering. Oh, okay, very nice. So uh, allow it to f- continue to flower right up until you know it gets very cold. Leave those little hips, those little fruits, unless for some reason you want to harvest them. If you leave them on the, the rose, the birds will particularly midwinter. If we have a cold winter, they will love those little rose hips. They're full of vitamin C. They're full of all kinds of good you yeah. know carbohydrates. So leave that all alone. In the early spring, before any leaves emerge, when we're just at the point where the birds are starting to sing, the buds are starting to fatten up, mm-hmm. that's your time to put on your leather suit and gauntlets and get nice big long uh, loppers, sharp loppers, and don't be afraid to cut that plant back by as much as a third. You mentioned it's about six feet tall. Yeah. So, I mean, you can take that right down to, you know, three feet tall and wide if you want to. Okay, uh, so, you know, even 40%, 50% in size can come off of it in the early spring. Okay. Okay. All righty. There you are. Good luck with that. Thanks so much. You're very welcome. My goodness, there there it goes. There. The show is done. How and did that history. happen? Yeah. I, that was uh, an intriguing show. Really. There were so many uh, various uh, yeah. areas that you covered there, I, uh, the listeners covered. I've hardly had a breath between all <laughs> <Yes>. those callers. <laughs> oh, it's been fun, real fun. It and has. and uh, we all learned something there, which is the name of the game, I think, really. And as long as we're having fun. That's Absolutely. The, the other part of the mantra is have fun with this. Don't you know? Gardening is serious for some people. Even if you want to be cutthroat, I was going to say cutthroat. Be a friendly cutthroat kind of guy. <laughs> but but make girl. sure it's fun. <laughs> <laughs> so you're here for a little while longer. I you? am indeed. Yes, I've got, uh, of course, the best of the best music to play between now and three, and then of, of course, course Sinatra, a uh, whole hour of Sinatra from three to four. Is the air show flying through? And at yes, some point? Uh, I've been in touch with Colleen Svider. Oh, nice. Yes. she's the Wonder Woman. Isn't yeah, she? she. Well, no, she. She is the uh, publicity rep oh, for the uh, CNE Air Show, and they've uh, got some woman uh, direct. Well, I heard something on the radio out of the back of my ear there, but yeah. something like a woman in charge of it all. She's like a you know piloting everybody. She's everybody's answering to her. Oh well, she's the there big, you go. The big wheel. The big. Well, that could be calling. Yeah, it could I be. I wonder. The name sounds familiar. Anyway, I'm off to um, take my my youngest child, my baby. Six foot four. My six foot four baby (laughs) off to university. Uh, He's he's moving into residence uh, today, and um, I'm uh, moving on to a next stage of the evolution of life. Yes, that free bedroom. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, it's like full of dirty clothes still, I think, and bad boy spells. (laughs) We'll see you again next week, Charlie. See you next week. Thanks, Grace, and thanks to all our callers. This has been an exclusive podcast of The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. Heard every Saturday morning at 9 on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. This has been an exclusive podcast of The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. Heard every Saturday morning at 9 on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.